Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, listeners, and thank you for joining me on another Get Genius episode. Very excited about the interview with my guest today because we have a lot of similarities. One being that his daughter is the same name as me. She is a summer, which is awesome. So how can I not love him? But really, we have very similar businesses, very similar views in terms of storytelling. But what's even more awesome is we've collaborated together and working together in creating videos. And it's just a really great example of somebody who could be thought of as a competitor, but instead we've worked together and we've helped clients in sharing their messages in a really powerful way. But he does all kinds of really cool video production. So he's got just a crazy cool background. He lives out in Hollywood or Santa Monica, somewhere over there in LA. And how he got there is such a cool story. I'm going to let you listen to that. His name is Maury Rogau, and he is the CEO of Rip Media Group. With this business, he has launched over 100 brands. I think it's even more than that now. And really successful startup companies using visual storytelling structure. And he goes into that and how he thinks about it and what he makes sure is being accomplished with every single message that he's putting out there. And we've got some really cool acronyms that you have to listen out for because it's just a great go-to in terms of whether you're sending an email or whatever it is that you're getting out there to just kind of run through and go, okay, did I nail this, this, and that? Did it. Okay. Awesome. So really great takeaways. And he's also an author and he's even got another book coming out. So we'll talk about his book called The Rise of the Entrepreneur. But what's so cool about the book is that it's not just an autobiography, which those are great too. So are how-to books. This is like a blend of, you know, genius tips and all told in a really cool story using characters that are very similar to characters you've heard of before. So that's all I'm going to say. You'll have to listen out for that. But Maury has this great story about, you know, where he's been once upon a time, building up to, you know, a really, really great success selling a $2 billion company. And then what happens between selling that company and building the company he's had now for about nine years, I think it is. It's just one of those stories that's almost comforting to hear because I think that so many entrepreneurs have gone through so many challenges, but you don't hear about them. Oftentimes you're just seeing people when they're, you know, doing awesome and doing great. And most people are not going public when things are maybe not doing so great. So it's, I really love when I get an entrepreneur and a CEO on the show who's really open and honest about their experience and what they've learned from it. And it's just why I super connect with Maury so much because he's just got so much genius to share and there's there's reasons for that. And it's it's on based on his experience and the lessons that he's learned. So you'll get a lot of great value from that. So I'm not gonna say any more because it's, it's a really great show, a fun interview, and uh, I think you're gonna get a lot out of it. I know you will have a wonderful productive day today after you listen to this show, of course. I'm so excited to have you on. I think this is just going to be a, such a cool conversation because you have really cool stories. You have a really interesting background and experience in being an entrepreneur. So if you can 
just share first, you know, like maybe like the high level overview of Maury beginner entrepreneur to Maury today. Absolutely. So again, thank you for having me here. Really, it's been months, so I'm really happy to be here and be chatting yes. with you about this. So it's one of the only times we get to catch up. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> so let's do podcasts more often. We exactly. can actually talk to each other. So yeah, I mean, if I go back to the roots, back to the beginning, I, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, I think it was, uh, you know, my mother always, you know, saw how restless and I couldn't focus on things. She's like, I don't think you're a, a nine to five. I'm see you sitting behind a desk. And I, and I realized she was saying, I'm way too hyper, way too much energy to be, you know, like an accountant or something like that. And luckily she kind of, you know, guided me and helped me into, you know, kind of go after your dreams. You can be anything you want. So there's a lot of positive you know, behavior there, so there are a lot of positive reinforcement. So I always wanted to do it, but I didn't know how. So, you know, I mean, leaving a lot of the story out, I joined a big training program. I was uh, you know, at AT&T and went through a, you know, kind of a basically business development. I was in biz dev and sales and this kind of thing. And I just always had my eye on, I've got to go out there and, and try on my own. I created a couple of small companies and worked okay just on the side. And I thought, you know what, if I join a startup that has really good people in it, I can learn from them and they can, then I can branch off and, and go on my own. So I did. And I luckily joined a company called Geotel and I just huge praise for everybody there. We had an incredible run. We built the company from really nothing, just a few people up into a $2 billion sale wow. to Cisco Systems. That was an incredible time. It was, it was amazing. As you can, a lot of people can be gay and, you know, quite wealthy. And, and honestly, I guess I'll tell you the whole story here. I did too, but that changed. So a year and a half later, I didn't have anything to show for because the stock market crashed and Cisco went from 81 to 4 on the stock market. So that was uh, that was pretty devastating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of things left my, my life and through my fingers at that point. But I said, you know, it took me some, some time to kind of reset. What do I want to do? Well, I always want to be on, you know, my own business. I've always wanted to do something creative. And there was a company that used to beat us, you know, before we were sold to Cisco. And they had a, a video. They spent $50,000 on it. And they would go out either before or after us and show this video. And people, customers, you know, it was a big, big, complex product. It was really hard to understand. But after their two, two and a half minute video, people understood and they started unhooking our deals and getting into place. And I was like, I, I can't believe the power of this story. I've got to get my hands on it. I've got to see it. And I'd say that little gem right there was really the genesis of what I'm doing. I always want to do something on my own. I wanted to be mixed in with business, but I really wanted to do something creative. So I packed up and said, well, let me move to Hollywood. You can't really get more creative than making movies and TV shows and commercials right. in my mind, right? Other than just, you know, I'll move to an island to become a painter or something. That wasn't really in the cards. <laughs> So I moved here right in the middle of Hollywood. And after a few years, I mean, I, I did the lunch circuit. I took everybody out, anybody, an actor, actress, director, you know, producer. I just wanted to learn everything I possibly could. And I ended up, I did stand-up comedy. I wow. acted. I was in, yeah, it was great. Oh, that's <laughs> it was awesome. Really it was, it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking and it's so much fun. It's really amazing because you're really putting yourself out there. You've got to be completely in the moment. Audience says something, you've got to be able to react, you know, and be, and be cool about it. 
So I did that. I ended up producing two films. So I had two films on you know, HBO and Showtime is where they ended up, and actually after theaters. And then I said, well, let me, let me see what I can do here about doing more of this. I love producing. I love directing. What can we do that doesn't take three and a half to four years, which is really the life cycle of a fast-moving movie? <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of these take a lot longer. So my attention span, back to mom, you know, <laughs> is much shorter, right? So I said, well, maybe I can approach some of the old customers that I used to work with, you know, promoting what they do in a much better way. Let me create the salesperson that never sleeps. Let me create something that does their job for them and tells an incredible story that really engages people. And that's just that idea worked. So we ended up going out and filming live. And then we ended up, you know, I was interested in animation and somewhat like what you do. You know, we started off everything with a storyboard. And a storyboard is sort of like the beginning steps of a whiteboard animation, right? So whiteboard animation, and we, we actually did some of those. And, you know, you and I have talked about that. And then we moved up into sort of much, you know, much, much higher end, you know, pieces like 3D animation, you know, higher end 2D, 2.5D animation mixed in with live production and that kind of thing. So we sort of live in that area with well-funded startups, with some really big companies like Cisco, right? That my former company is, uh, is a customer, you know, Comcast and the United Nations, as well as, you know, a hundred startups, and well-funded startups and that sort of thing. So it's been a heck of a ride, kind of a roller coaster. It's been a lot of fun. That's so awesome to hear. First of all, that like going back to going from, okay, feeling pretty wealthy right now to, <laughs> to, not. <laughs> to not long after. And, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, I mean, I don't think I know one entrepreneur who is successful today, who has not gone through that. Honestly, that makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. Because it's one of the biggest regrets of my life. Well, and that's the thing is that people so. think that. And I think because, you know, you see people where they're at, you know, at, in the, at this great, that, that's usually when you want to be seen more, right? It's usually when exactly. you're confident enough to, to show up, right? But you kind of go into hiding when you're, when you're feeling like, dang it, I'm not, I'm not doing this right. I'd love to hear though, because, you know, some people might be in that position right now that are listening and it can be very stifling. It can be paralyzing because it's one thing to start from nothing and to build, because if, if you kind of never had that wealth before, you're just excited to get there, but then to yeah. actually experience it and then it just be gone. How do you build yourself up again to say, okay, that's okay. I'm going to start again and I'm, I'm going to build again. How did that transition come about for you? It's a really great question. I didn't know we'd go down this path, but it's really cool that we are. So I would say very honestly, it took some months. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, the next day I snapped up and said, I'm going to do it again, by golly. And, you know, this <laughs> <laughs> to the sky, I'll do it. You know, everybody charge. Watch the secret. No, just like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. Where's that old beat? <laughs> what I did is I kind of, you know, introspective. It wasn't that, you know, I'm, I'm destroyed. I can never do anything again. I really just felt oh my goodness, how did I let that happen? That was really just such mistakes, such bad moves. How did I not know? And I realized, actually, I did some, I did some really interesting things at that time. I read a lot about, honestly, the, the nature of happiness, the core of happiness, where it comes from, and money. What money does when we earn money, when we make money, when we make a sale or put a big deal together, or, you know, there's a kind of a, um, I was going to say a windfall, that's probably not the best word, you know, when you sell your company like that. 
So what happens is endorphins explode because the endorphins are being released like chemically in your body. You know, like if you're watching a great movie, you know, you're really yeah. happy you meet that someone special, you can follow them up. Those same chemicals are running through your body, charging through your body on the upswing, right? You know, oh my gosh, we sold this company or I made this deal or I put this together. You know, in some people's personality types, mine, that's an amazing thing, an amazing feeling. So you want more, you want more, you want more. And much like a drug, you want more, you want more because the highs aren't quite as high, the lows, you know, go lower. And again, it's just, well, then I, I can do it again. I can do it again. Yeah. And so that's what was happening with the stock market is it was going down, then it would tease its way up and then down, tease its way up. So I was, I analyzed that. I was like, oh my gosh, I was caught in the emotion that I could step back and just take a look and say, yeah, now, now's a good time to sell. It would have been a whole different story. Right. But who knows where I'd be right now. Yeah. I'm really happy right now. Things are good now. So, and they were, you know, very soon after, and even the next day, I was alive and breathing, walking around. So, I started looking at what am I really grateful for? And I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm, I was really grateful that I was able to do that. What an amazing experience of life, you know? And so, can I do it again? Do I want to do it in the same way? You know, you don't get yourself down too far. Kind of, I guess, the lesson learned is, you know, look at it, learn from it, and then move on. Because the things I did, during that uptick, during those, you know, four or five years or even 10 years, really, 10 years to get there, I have to do those things again. But this time, I'm going to do the things I really like and do whatever I can to avoid the things that I don't. And the money doesn't have anything to do with it. If I do what I love, right, you know, then the money will follow. And candidly, you'll have enough. And it's, you hear that, it sounds trite, but in my case, it's really true. And I have all kinds of examples, you know, weird examples of that. You know, you just kind of keep focusing on the goal, focus on day-to-day, the things you enjoy, and honestly, bringing value to people that, uh, that you serve. You know, bring more value than, you know, they could possibly imagine, and you'll be doing just fine. And sometimes we make business much more complicated than it really needs to be. It's solve a problem for people in a way that they feel so good that they'll pay for it. There's a business. <laughs> there, you got a business. If you can do that, yeah, to make it even more complicated, you know, it's so true. And you know, talking about like you said, you hear it, and it and it might sound trite. Do what you love. But when you are actually fueled by the things that you're doing every single day, what you put into it is pretty extraordinary. You become so productive. You're moving needles like every day because you're amped up. You're excited. You love what you're doing. It does become, you realize, gosh, the money part is like nice. Like that's totally rewarding and it's good. But you start to realize that where you may have been one day of panicking of how am I going to get money is kind of like less important. Now it's just like you get like addicted to the feeling of bringing value to other people. And that again, it might sound cheesy, but if you've been like in that place, you totally know what I'm talking about. And you've been that way, you know, somewhere in your life, you've experienced that where you're just like, wow, this actually had nothing to do with what am I going to get? What am I going to get? And more about what am I doing for others? And what a great feeling that is, you know? Absolutely. There is the basic need. I mean, money isn't an evil thing. And no, not at all. Not it. at all. Yeah, but there's you know, there's a basic, you know, there's a certain amount. It's really interesting. There's a certain amount that, you know, let's say, I think it's something around like 50, you know, like 50,000. The amount that you need or want or have to have money up until that point, kind of basic sustenance level to take care of yourself and your family, you know, the increase in happiness up until you hit that point is a line up to the right. But after that point, 
it kind of, it never levels, but it goes way, it's not a big up to the right thing. It's just a long, gradual thing. So people get into the, I need more, I need more. If I do this, I can get more and I can get more. And it's really about another thing, something much bigger. And I know, you know, you talked about, you know, your why. And it really is about your why. If you can satisfy that and satisfy other people because service is one of the best ways to feel amazing. And it's honestly, it's a little selfish, right? Yeah. You're feeling good about helping other people, you selfish person. Yes. But luckily, you're really doing something great for other people out there. And that can be businesses like ours. I feel great about what we do and how we help people. And they can also be certainly you know, more, much more charitable you know, contributions and things along those lines. I'm curious. Have you had, because being somebody who is so creative and, you know, running a business, have you had ideas that maybe other people in the business, other partners have have said, no, I really, I just don't think that's going to work. <laughs> and you've either proved them wrong or they were right. <laughs> what an amazing question. I go through that a lot. So honestly, too many examples on both sides of that yeah. <laughs> to, to, to get into, but I'll pick one or two. And the answer is yes, absolutely. Very cool question because there's something that I've wanted to create for a, a good long time. And this, this happens a lot. So what I do is I think just being creative, I'm sure you have something similar. You're extremely creative as well. And being in a creative industry, the ideas don't stop. And we don't want the ideas to stop. And it's sometimes, you know, I talk about lack of sleep. I mean, I get ideas. I have to scratch them out. I have to, you know, to type them out in the middle of the night and that kind of thing. Luckily, I found a little, there's a, there's a book called Traction that I definitely recommend, Traction, and it's the EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Uh, Gina Wickman wrote it, and I we sort of run the business based on this now, so we really adopted a lot of the principles there. I will say it's, it's, it's as amazing and useful as it is dry. It's not, it's not a page turner, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, but it's a really, really good stuff. So one of the things that they talk about is how to sandbox. And the sandbox is all those ideas that the entrepreneur, the creative, the innovator keeps coming up with and can't stop. Right. When you throw them into it, and I have a file, literally like a you know a Google Drive file that I'll throw them all into, and that satisfies the need to do it today, 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 because I'll I'll run after the shiny thing, right? Oh yeah, going after the shiny thing, and that swings the team in different directions and confuses people, and you know doesn't let them get to their goals as fast. And everybody, you know, got to really consider what everybody wants to do and what each person's goal is on your team. So now that I have a sandbox that I discovered about two, two or three years ago, I put all those ideas in there and some of them I'll pull out, you know, I'd say twice a year, I'll go pull out ideas from the sandbox and develop them. So the answer is yes, absolutely. We developed some, I can think of one that, that failed pretty, uh, you know, that, that failed, but I met with another entrepreneur and told him about it. I was, I was pretty bummed that we invested in it and put time and money in there. And he's like, that's amazing. That's great. You've got to feel really good about that. I said, it didn't work. <laughs> this idea didn't work. It was too much. And he's like, but now you know. You just launched a whole new product, found out it didn't work for you, and that's great. You can cross it off the list, and now you can refocus. But that's a, that's a great attitude, Dan. Yeah. And there are others, one other in particular, but basically just this is a, like the fast generation of, of video, you know, I mean, obviously we go through a pretty, 
pretty extensive process for the type of work that we're putting together for, you know, for TV commercials or for investor, you know, investor pitches are our companies, you know, go out, they're pitching to investors, they're trying to raise capital or they're, um, you know, going to their customers directly, right. you know, at least six or eight weeks. I want to trim that down by, if I can, I'd love to trim it down to a day, but I, I really can't. How fast can we get it to be done? And I had an idea and a couple of people on my team and, you know, loved the idea and a couple of people didn't at all. And a couple of people in the industry counted both. So it was 50-50. So I waited and I waited. Well, somebody just came out with something extremely similar and they're killing it. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and I called the CEO. I spoke with the CEO and I, you know, talked to him about, you know, kind of development and the whole process. He was really, really gracious, really nice about, you know, what, how they did this and that kind of thing. And I'm going to try to help them out. I mean, it's not my idea anymore. It's not... Um, it was good. It was original. They're, they're, they've uh, something like three thousand customers already in just six months. So it, it's it's just oh come on yeah that, that was mine and I never developed it. But on the other hand, they did. It works. So good job because I had a great idea that works. Next time I'll develop it. Just keep generating those ideas is what we have to do. Exactly. Don't expect that every single one of them is going to work out. <laughs> Absolutely true. So you've gone through and I want to go I want to go into some some more things because you, you do have such a great background. But I want to ask about your book. Oh, yeah. It's called The Rise of the Entrepreneur, but it's done. It's not so much about like an autobiography of Maury, unless it is, but it's, it's told yeah. in a really unique way. So as much as you can without giving everything away, can you share with us what inspired this book and then what people can get out of it? The quick version is this. I wanted to have a guide. I wanted to have a toolkit so that when I started the company, that that first two years, you know, there's probably three phases of building a company. You know, first is finding the product, finding the finding the market that will buy something of value. Like I said before, who is that and what can you develop? Then it's building the systems and the processes that are scalable and repeatable. They gotta be scalable, gotta be repeatable, or else you're doing something custom every single time, and you will not be able to grow unless you add, you know, people, 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 and you'll, you know, be skimming along just hoping for margin. So those lessons took me years to find out, and I did see some of that and learn some of that at the startup that I was with, or a couple of the startups I was with. And I was like, well, I, it just was burning a hole in my, you know, kind of in my in my heart in a way that I just wanted to help other people. So I said, well, let me put this down in a manuscript. I had it down and I thought, well, I'm a storyteller. This has been a story to it. This is like a big, long checklist. And there's other books out there that can do that. I'm going to change this thing. Yeah. So I'm a big, you know, I'm a pretty big nerd. Um, so I'm a fan of Star Wars and the 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 whole, you know, the the entire thing from the beginning. So I did a parody. So this book in in 45 seconds, this book follows two characters. So in 45 seconds of my pitch here, 45 seconds is two characters, two entrepreneurs. They work in a company. They want to get out and start their own company. One's named Luck. Because everything he does, he's just really lucky. Good luck comes to him. And solo, he really wants to operate on his own. He's kind of a rogue. But these two decide to join together, create this product, put everything they have, every dime into it, and then run around pitching it everywhere. And they don't pitch it very well. They lose. They get. They go all. They fly all around the galaxy in this world, and they're pitching their product, and they just don't get anybody to buy it. They don't have any of the tools. They don't use video. They don't use SEO. They don't have a good website. They don't have all the things that they need, nor do they have a non-disclosure agreement. 
So they go and they meet with somebody who steals the idea. And so now they're back to scratch and they finally get referred over to one of their, their uh, sister-in-law. And she says, you got to meet Master Quota. <laughs> he, he will teach you the ways of the sales force. So they go, to Master Quota. <laughs> they go to Master Quota and they go through his sales training, the sales force training. And so they learn the ways of the sales force. So may the sales force be with you. Yes, I am a nerd, clearly. But I have all the lessons in there. I kind of documented at the end, step one, step two, step three. Here are the things that you need to do. But it's told in this story format that really keeps it entertaining. Um, and educational. So, and the other thing is, I kept it really short so that people can fly from you know San Diego to San Francisco or from DC to Boston for their meetings. Pick up that book, glance through it, be in a great mood, and have some great pointers as soon as they walk off that plane um, to be able to use. A nice airplane read. I like it, and a short flight too. I like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It should be, we should be done with this in ninety minutes. I love that. So if our listeners want to find that book, where can we'll have a link to it. But if they're just listening, driving in the car, where can they go? Well, if they're driving in the car, I'd suggest pull over and do it now. <laughs> pull over now and look up on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It's, it was in Barnes & Noble for a little while, but now it's on BarnesandNoble.com, but also certainly on Amazon, Amazon.com. And it's Rise of the Entrepreneur by Mari Roga. Awesome. Do you think you're, you have more books than you? Oh, absolutely. Thank yeah. you for asking. <laughs> so I, I, I definitely do. There's a lot more. It takes a long time to put a book together. Oh, yeah. But I did do something for my daughter, and I'm really, fingers crossed, hoping this podcast comes out after her birthday. But I, I just actually put together a children's book with our illustrators. So I got wrote the story. I had our illustrators illustrate. And basically, it's a good night book because she's had so much trouble sleeping. So I really just built a book for her. But I realized, realized that they're having such a good time with this. And it's so cute that I probably will release this as well. So not a business book, not at all, but certainly for parents that are going through that. Oh, my goodness. I love my, my son or daughter to be able to get some sleep. So I put something really cute together for her as a gift. And we'll see if this can become her college fund. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so, that's so great. We've gone through this. I've gone through this and I'm, and you know, we, we have similar businesses. You're in a business where you're working with clients one-on-one a lot. It's not just a, a one-off sale, or even if it's, you know, repeat, it's not just a product that you're sending to them. You're, it's very much a relationship that you're building with that client and you're working back and forth with them. Have you in that kind of um, industry, and I know that we have a lot of people listening that are in that service-based type industry that have received criticism from a client. And maybe sometimes it'll be years after they were doing something one way. And then all of a sudden there's that one client who's like, I don't like that. I like this question because I know for us, these things have happened and it's changed things for the better in our company. And then sometimes it's you know, you go, okay, is that just one particular client? So I'd love to hear, you know, somebody who's in this type of business, who's really doing custom work for clients. How have you dealt with that criticism from a client who's, you know, and if you have a specific example, awesome. If not just, you know, how, how you deal with that? I have a really interesting one. And it's really, and I'd say this is probably one of the toughest things for agencies to deal with. I, candidly, I think this is probably the biggest problem that we all have to deal with, which is you know getting into scope creep, and scope creep is kind of the term for you know ad agencies and creative agencies like ours, where the project just keeps on going and going and going, and the customer really never is 
quite satisfied, or they have a lot of um, stakeholders in the game. Now you have to go up to their vice president, and then the CMO, and then the CEO. Everybody starts weighing in, and they weigh in with different inputs. So we have some really clean ways to deal with that and get the best answers, but it took time. And I think one of the things that we learned back, that I, the feedback was that it, were, it was fantastic that you guys were so flexible. We loved your flexibility. We loved that you changed a mid-project and you did this instead of this style, or you changed the art as we asked. And we did all these things to keep them appeased and, and happy. And at the end of the project, at the end of the whole thing, they really just wanted to be driven through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they really just wanted, so, you know, it's very tough. We're trying to keep everybody happy. You know, we especially, you know, still have, we want happy customers. We want this to be a great relationship. And I think that truly is one of our, our, you know, hallmarks is you know, we're really fantastic to work with and we're still flexible. But now, based on some of that feedback, what we do is we follow a very set process. So step one through step six, you know, so the discovery and the creative process from this to the script, to the art, to the storyboard, to the final, we just keep moving forward, marching forward without trying to push anybody you know, without trying to be too, you know, heavy-handed about it. But we want to make sure that everybody knows that this is the process we've learned over from over a thousand videos, from two feature films, from multiple commercials and brand launches and things like that. This is the best way to go. And I alter it and adjust it every now and then. But it's a tough one because people want to change all the time for sometimes for no reason or a, a whim. They saw a commercial. Nike did this. Can we throw this in there? You know, and yeah. already... You know, we've already filmed and we've already done 3D animation, which is very, you know, I mean, render times on 3D can be three days just just to let the thing process after it's done. So I'd say that's one of the biggest things. So to be as flexible as we can, but getting a process in place that people know this is the next step, this is the next step, and keeping them apprised of that has helped a lot. Yes, I bet. I know this. I'm sure you know this. You're working with a lot of creative people on your team as well. And so, you know, with creativity comes that for the actual, you know, employee that you have who's who's creating, if sometimes, you know, a client doesn't like something that they're doing, they can take it personally. How have how have you managed that or in, in your hiring or in your, you know, um, team harmony, if you will? How have you managed that to to, you know, keep that morale up and, and, and don't take it personally? And how have you managed that? That's a really great question because that does happen a lot. You yeah. know, people that are, again, I, I hire based on passion. I really don't want somebody here that's sort of checking the box right. or, you know, is here just for the money, you know, that kind of thing. I, you know, one of the interview questions, the very first thing I sit down when I ask people is, why do you want to be here? And people answer in all different ways, but the love of doing this type of work is really why I want them here. So that conflicts greatly with what you just asked. That conflicts with a customer that says, that was lovely, we appreciate that, we want to do that, but here's what we're really going to do. Yeah. Or, or my boss says, we're not going to, you know, we can't do that creative idea even though it's so cool, we're just going to do a feature thing. You know, do we just need to highlight the features? And I definitely have people that, you know, they get really upset about that. So we definitely coach them through it and it's, you know, we're here to, we're here truly, we're here to serve, we're here to help 
And we kind of take a team mentality. And sometimes what we do is I have folks work on an internal project, you know, some of our own work, you know, our own marketing. It's much more creative. We have control of it and that kind of thing. So I'll let them sort of get their creativity out in that area. Um, and there's also folks that we have that, you know, I sort of, um, you know, they're doing their own projects on the weekend or that kind of thing. Right. Not so often lately because we're pretty busy now. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, like, oh, they want to do a short film. Great. Well, then we help them with the Kickstarter. We help them launch it. We'll donate, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so there's other areas, you know, that we can have them just do what they really just truly want to do and just be pure creative. But it's absolutely a balance and it is tough. How do you handle it? We, you know, we do, we do, um, little, like it's called like artists in the dark. We do similar type things where everyone gets together and it's like, they'll listen to something and it's like, how would you draw this? How would you draw that? So there's definitely people utilizing their creativity. There's also some things that we're just doing as, you know, freebies for clients that they, they get to, you know, do, do whatever it is that they wish. I mean, when we have Christmas parties, when we have certain gatherings, the team gets together on their own and creates creates videos exactly how they want. And the stuff that's come out has just been amazing. I mean, they do all, they love Star Wars. So there's all kinds of, you know, <laughs> everybody's a Star Wars character and they, and they create this, you know, it, like little mini movie. It's, it's awesome. Um, and they do have, you know, we have, we have some artists too that on the, on the side, you know, it's like, uh, in the evenings or on the weekends, they're, they're doing comic books or, you know, they've, they've got other things that they get out their own way of being creative. And it's not necessarily for money, but sometimes it's just because it's fun for them, you know, and it, it amazes me because the talent just blows my mind. And if, you know, people always ask, are you an Eric artist? Uh, well, <laughs> kind of, but not in that sense. Like, <laughs> neither, right. neither of us can draw, but, um, <laughs> but it is, you know, it is amazing. It is important for them to be able to do that. And it's fun sometimes when we're doing just some things just for the company brand, just to be like, Hey, run with it. This is all you, you know, let your, get your creative genius at play and just run with it, you know, and they, they love that. They just love it. It's absolutely, it's so great yeah. to see. Yeah. No, we, that's, that's why we've been minionized. There's the, you know, the, uh, um, I'm Gru and then they, they again, not because I'm like some tyrant or something, but the minion movies. So we have some videos that, you know, are more, I'd say a little bit more casual, more fun. I release those videos or send those over to customers and clients. So I'm Gru, they're the minions. <laughs> Yeah, but there, it's adorable, you know, even with the voices. So that really same thing um, as you're saying is, you know, our internal marketing projects, that's where we really let loose a little bit more often. But I love your idea of artists in the dark. Just how would you do this? What would you come up with here? That's very fun. Oh, it's so fun. That. Yeah, it's so fun. Lots of laughs. <laughs> it's really great. And then, you know, even when we're bringing in more um, new artists, we're having, you know, people join the team, that'll be like their first introduction, you know, so it's kind of like, a, almost like an exercise. It's like a way for us to see how creative they are without putting them on the spot, you know, <laughs> like in front That's of like, you're the only person. So <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really fun. I mean, you know, just being in this type of a business, where you're taking something that's so important to your client and being able to tell it in a story that people really get it and really connect with it is it's so much fun. I mean, it's like, it, you know, this, I mean, you've done brilliant things. You guys have so many creative things that, that you're doing. And, you know, we've, we've worked on some projects together and, um, it's just, it's so fun. It's especially fun when we get to work with people like you who, you know, have, you've got these 
two minds that just get it, but then also trust each other. <laughs> Absolutely. Well said. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure. Knowing yeah, I mean, you thank you. With you. Yeah, no, this is, this isn't the, I'll tell you, I'm mean, just kind of looking at, you know, creativity in a creative company. I don't think that I would have pictured myself doing this, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, again, this didn't really exist back then. Right. right. Um, you know, but, but I love how it brings out all the different layers I mean, it brings out, you know, certainly being, being smart, being business savvy. Um, you know, there's certainly heavy marketing, there's certainly heavy, you know, business and operations, but the product is creative and the product is really helpful and the product can make a huge difference in businesses, right? Their, their companies can all of a sudden go, I mean, I'm just thinking of a couple examples of ours. You know, we had a, a guy literally called and said, I don't think I can afford you, but I really would love to be able to work with you. What do you think about this? It was a Kickstarter campaign. And I said, I think we might be able to put something together. This is really cool. We had something that was going to help educate kids. And he had never really raised more than, you know, like friends and family, you know, 10 or $20,000. We just put our creative juices to play, took something, you know, took his product and put it into play in a completely different way than he ever imagined. He, he raised 180000 in, uh, what was it, the 30 days. Wow. And he's, he's still, you know, I also use this acronym called CORE. So create it once, but repurpose everywhere. Create it once, repurpose everywhere. And so we gave him cut downs. So that's now on his website, you know, a shorter version of his website. We have pieces for his social media. So he's been using this. It's been two years. And our the version, you know, the, the one video we put together has 10 versions at this point, you know, based on that one, you know, kind of production day and all that creativity went into it. It's, it's he's, I believe, certainly he's over seven figures at this point. And it really was the turning point was right there when we took a story or sorry, when we created a story instead of him selling bits and bites and, you know, chips and things like that, you know, electronic chips and things like that. Exactly. So make a huge, huge difference. It's really cool. That is so huge. And I love hearing that. And I especially love core. That's brilliant. Oh, That's cool. such a great, great takeaway. And uh, I mean, we all have so many pieces of, you know, so many assets that we have that can be repurposed. <laughs> very true. Very true. I'll tell you, you know, while we're kind of in the story world, let me let me throw another one out there. I want to make sure that people who are listening have a, a really, you know, they can walk away with, with something that was, you know, cool besides core and something they can use tomorrow, basically, if they're doing storytelling. So if your video or your story, again, your story can be on your website, your story can be in a book, your story can be, you know, in video format. If it doesn't have the stuff, then don't bother because it's not going to go that far. And the stuff is something I found when I analyzed what makes a video go viral, what makes a movie really take off. You know, what, what are the elements? Like, was there a simplified way to describe what are the elements that really get people engaged in a story? And I boiled it down to this acronym, and the, which is the SUFF. So it's S-T-U-F-F. Is it sexy? Does it sizzle? You know, is it sensual? That kind of thing. And it's not just, you know, models and that sort of thing. 12% right. consistent returns on a stock portfolio is actually really sexy because it delivers you to an experience, a whole new lifestyle, that kind of thing, consistency and that kind of thing. So, you know, being quote sexy doesn't necessarily doesn't need a look. No, it's what's exciting to you. You know, exactly. it's what, what excites you and, and, and piques your interest and makes you pay attention. Perfectly said. Perfectly said. And, and T is touching. Right? Is there nostalgia? Is there some deeper emotion that I can feel that I've seen? We can think of dramas. We can think of movies. We can even think of some commercials that are just, oh, that was, oh, 
I gotta call my mom, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So touching, and then the you is for unique and unexpected, sort of a double there, but you have to be unique. If you're copying what your competitor did and you look like your, you're not gonna make it, you're not gonna be the leader, you'll always be a follower. You have to be unique, you have to match what you're doing to, you know, to your own brand and your own voice and do something that's unexpected. You've got to have a twist. You've got to have an aha moment or else people are just going to move on. It was a neat thing, but they don't really remember it. And then the two Fs are funny and funny. If you can get a real laugh out of somebody, I mean, you can think of Dollar Shave Club's video, Poopery video, yes. there's a lot out there. We laughed. We're like, did he really just do that? They took a risk, so they, they mix in unique and unexpected with funny, and it worked. Yes. And, it, and it was worked extremely well. I mean, Michael Dubin, right, they sold the company for a billion dollars. You know, extra razor blades in a warehouse became worth a billion dollars based on great story, based on great marketing, and that took off for him. And then the other half is fear. So what, what do we have there to be fear of? You know, are we missing out? FOMO was used in... You know, Silicon Valley all the time, people have FOMO, fear of missing out on this great opportunity. There can also be lack of security. Do I not have security here? Is there something that's making me nervous? Is there something that's keeping me up at night? But that's fear. So if you look at the elements of your story, the elements of your, your video or the way that you're writing, S-T-U-F-F, does it have the stuff or not? If it doesn't, start over. Right. <laughs> Put in some elements of this stuff. Just one or two. You can't do everything. You know, a feature film or a book, you know, can do everything. But for, you know, 30 seconds, 60, 90 seconds, pick one or two and roll with those. And, um, you know, good creative force, you know, good creative team will certainly help out with that. Oh, yes, absolutely. I love that. These are so, I love acronyms. <laughs> I'm such a fan. Because <laughs> that right. makes me think, you know, I'm thinking of that now, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, putting out pieces. I love that. I think that's so great. It's like your little checklist to go through. Does it have these things? Oh my gosh, Maury, there's so much, but I've, this has been like so much fun. I feel like there's so much more we could talk about, especially because we have so many things in, in common. I want to send our listeners over to your website, anywhere they can also find information on you. Um, I know that I've got your, your LinkedIn, your social media, and so many um, links. Am I, am I cool to provide that in the blog post and show notes? Of course. Thank you for asking. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So I will definitely do that and then tell them the best website for, for your business. Sure. Uh, Rip Media Group. So it's R, you know, like as in ripping media, creating media, Rip, M-E-D-I-A, uh, group. So it's the ripmediagroup.com. And there's lots of, you know, we have infographics, we have downloads that will help you through, you know, creating great story, all free resources, lots of downloads there and, and more coming. And then for me as a speaker and author and that sort of thing, marirogo.com. It's M-A-U-R-Y-R-O-G-O-W. So that's created as, um, you know, it's because I go out and I speak and, and just consult with businesses, not so much focused on production, but just really helping them get their story across. So that site certainly is there as well. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. We'll have links to all of that. This was so much fun. I'm so glad that we finally did this and I'm so happy that your daughter's name is Summer. 
So much fun. This was like sitting down, having a coffee with you, and, and catching up in time. So this was a blast, and I really hope people got something out of it. Oh, I definitely they will for sure. Thank you so much, and I hope I, I see we're not too far from each other. So I hope I get to see you soon. That'd be wonderful. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about the Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests.